Um, I've never actually been to Monday nights before, and it's probably because I came from Canada, where people are much holier than Americans. Um, <laughs> sorry. It was a cheap shot, um, but I had the opportunity, so I took it. Um, and I'm very impressed, and I thank God for this. It's really, really good to see this many people care um, to come together. Regardless of what the history is, what challenges there were, what's more important is that clearly the love of God is working in everybody's hearts and that everybody is looking for the salvation of all, which is what God's will is for us all, is the salvation of everybody. So, forgive me, I'll be Debbie Downer for like a little bit, <laughs> and then I'll be nice again. Um, but I'm speaking maybe out of a pastoral concern um, from those of us who are out in the field. You've lived a good first chapter. The first 10 years were clearly full of joy. Um, looking at the slideshow, it's clear that you guys have shared very deep, um, intimate moments with one another and come to build each other up as a family. And there's a joy to living in family. There's also struggles of living as a family. And... I look around and I look at some of the youth that we're serving today and I can't help but wonder at the words of Christ when he said, when I come will I find even a few faithful. We're living in difficult times um, and the warfare that is around us and around our children is very real and very strong um, and it is harder than what most of us faced when we were their age. Um, actually much harder than it was. I don't know if I personally um, had the uh, fortitude to battle what some of our youth are. For that reason, I wanted us to focus on the love of God, on a practical um, level to understand who is our God. Because if we don't have the love of God deeply rooted in ourselves, way beyond even our normal just emotions from day to day, then when the storm rises, we're not going to ask if we can walk on the water. We're going to be like jumping off with our life jackets. So we'll get back to something nice, but that's the context that I'm, I'm challenging all of you that the next chapter, now that we've established family, is how do we raise a family? How do we get past now this establishment so that we can be successful in Christ? So imagine if there is somebody that you think is the bomb. You're at college or you're at work and then some person just rocks. They seem to have life totally figured out. They're kind, they're funny, like no problem phases them. Like they're the, the ultimate like image of perfection you decide that you want to like get to know this dude or do that. How do you go about doing that? Do you just sit in the corner and be like, I like you, I like you, I like you. Um, and that magically makes you like them? How do you get beyond the seat you're sitting in? Get, say hi, right? Like, get up and talk to them, right? And does that, does that magically work? It's like, hi, it's good. <laughs> we're, we're friends now, it's good. Do, does that work? But it's definitely needed, right? Like, it's not going to stop there. Okay, so then what do you need to do next? Sorry? 
start a conversation. Very good. And then what was the conversation about? So I see her in my class. You work here. It's really good. Um, so then what's, what's next? Let's move beyond that. So this is all important. This is all stages, right? These are all stages because you can't just jump in and be like, what is your greatest fear? Right? Like, you know, like, so then what, what do we need to do? Can you get some coffee? Okay, and what are you hoping to do over coffee? Talk. And what are you trying to find out? <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm hoping that you want to get to know the person, right? That's what I was kind of going for. So, in our case, why do we love God? The Bible is very clear and definitive in its answer. We love Him because He first loved us, okay? And this is, if we're going to get to know God, you need to start to get into this dialogue. Who are you? Where do you come from? Why are you here? What is it that makes you who you are? And if we do this with God, the answer is to look deeper into the Bible, right? Um, which is what Monday night was all about, from what I understand. And when we look at that, we see that there's a God who simply existed. And God existed in and of himself and had absolutely no need whatsoever to create human beings. None. There was not like he was like really needy that somebody constantly tell him how awesome he is, okay? Or that it was necessary that he has more minions and servants to bow down and sing holy, holy, holy. He was not short of these things that he needed to create something to do these things. He created because he is love. And love always works outwardly. Love always begets. Love always creates. Love is always put into something. That's why love is not some emotion. Like, it's not just this feeling. It's not the butterflies in the stomach. Those might be nice here and there, but that's not what love is. Love is always producing, always outwardly focused. And that is who our God is. And when he made us, he didn't throw us in a garden and say, live. He was in the garden with his creation. He made the earth for his creation. He said, this is for you. Go out, name the animals, chill, have a good time. Okay? And he walked around with them. He wanted to be in relationship with them. And a relationship takes two. It is not a one-way thing. And that's why he gave them free will. He's like, you know what? I love you, and I'm not even going to force you to love me back. It is totally up to you. I mean, we talk about freedom in the world, but let's face it, really, like, you've got no freedom. You can't even get in a car and drive without a piece of paper and without putting some metal bucket, uh, buckle in his place. That's not freedom. But he gave you a freedom that you could love him or not, he gave you the freedom that if you don't want to believe in him, that's completely up to you. And he gave you the freedom that even if you want to end your life, you can do it. He doesn't stop you from doing anything. Because he wants everything to be a response of love. And so if we delve into our Old Testament and look at what the Bible is, because the Bible is not a science book, the Bible is not a historical textbook, the Bible is the story of the relationship between God and humanity. And look at him outreach. Every time he mess up, he's like, come back. 
Adam and Eve do their thing. We all know what happened. Sucks to be them. It was Eve's fault. Um, and then they go out. Um, sorry, that's a Canadianism. Um, they went out, and then within no time, we have our first fratricide. And then God doesn't even come ready to kill Cain. He was like, Cain, bro, what did you do? Right? And Cain's answer is not even like, um, I'm so sorry, like, I messed up. He's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You're going to kill me. And he's like, actually, no, I wasn't. Um, and he was like, and he sets for himself the punishment. And God's like, okay, like, if, if you want to deal with me as a tyrant, okay, like, that's your choice. I will respect that choice. And I'm even going to protect you. That's love. And then the people are like, you know what, bum this God dude, we don't need him, okay, and we'll prove it, we're going to build a tower up to heaven. All this is stuff that we do today, we're like, we don't need God, we can do this and this and this and this and this. What does your God do for you? I can create a heart from you and a test tube. What does your God do for you? I can fix your kid's disease. These are the same concepts that we're seeing over and over. So then God visits them. It's not working, control, alt, delete, we have the flood. And what does Noah do right after he gets out of the, flood, the, the, the ark within a week? He gets wasted, right? He gets totally trashed. His kids find him naked. The kid is like, check it out, dad's drunk. Um, and then there is a whole big story. Like, this is what the Bible says. And it says it in all of its shame. There is no hiding. There is no filter. There is no, like, this chapter is PG-13. It's all written right there. And so he does all this because we're showing the weakness of humanity and yet the all-compassionate God who is constantly reaching out to humanity. Then he was like, okay, these guys don't like me. That's fine. Let me choose for myself a person where I can say, I made you to be in a relationship. Are you cool with that? Like, this is a very humble thing from God. He doesn't need to ask that. He could just say, wipe out. It's all done. We tried it. Failed experiment. But he didn't. And he pulls this guy, Abraham, and says, will you trust me, and will you enter into a relationship with me? And Abraham says, sure. And we read it so passively as though, like, yeah, well, I mean, if God spoke to me from the clouds and asked me that, I'd say yes. Would you? Or would you think you're psychotic? And if you were asked to get up and leave your homeland and go to some random place when the local culture doesn't do stuff like that, and wander around on this vague promise that one day God would make of you a nation, would you really not question your own sanity? Yet he said, okay. And that's why Abraham is the model of faith. That's why God based on him the whole promise. Has his people... They have their kids. We all know the stories. They're like messing up with each other. They're trying to help God out. You've got Jacob and Esau, and there's a promise that Jacob would be blessed. And Jacob's like, I'll help God out. He doesn't realize it's my time. So him and Rachel like totally like pull a prank on their poor old dad and take advantage of his blindness. And then you've got him running off and coming up. But God still works. He keeps doing it. And then they have their periods of, of sucky times. And then God comes and says, you know what? I'm going to pull you out of Egypt, and I'm going to make of you a nation, and I'm going to give you this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And Moses comes, and he's like, guys, I'm here. God told me we're going to deliver you. And so Pharaoh gets upset and says, double their work, don't give them straw. And what do the Jews say to, Christ, to Pharaoh? Dude, we don't know him. Like, he is not one of us. 
So, like, just let us do our thing. We love being slaves. Just leave us alone. And this Moses guy is not our representative. That's what the Bible says. That's what they said, right? They were not impressed. And yet, Moses keeps doing his thing. And the masses were saying this. This is not like it was one or two. Sometimes numbers do matter. Sometimes they don't. What matters is the truth, right? So here they are. They say, no, Moses does his thing, the ten plagues and all its glory. And then you see all these foreshadowings of Christ with this blood on the lintel and the jam, which is in the form of a cross for a Passover. You've got like clouds by day and fire by night and the whole shebang. They cross the sea. And what do they do when Moses is late? Because for 40 days he's been a mountain. The best idea ever. Let's build a golden cow and worship it. After seeing all of these miracles from God, their response is, he's late. We'll do this. And then he pulls them through. They do battle after battle after battle. They make it through. They take the promised land. And then they say, you know what, bun this God. Again, we want a king. They have a king, and God's like, no problem, give them a king. But if we're going to have a king, all I'm asking from you is keep this deal we have with one another. That's what I'm asking from you. Can you keep this covenant? And the covenant was all about love. Don't cheat each other. Don't take stuff that's not yours. Don't insult each other. I'm in a relationship with you because I love you, so please honor me, show me that you love me, and I'm showing you that I love you. Wherever you go, I will be your God, and you'll be my people. I will fight your wars. This is what God said to them. And they didn't. And the remembrance of God was lost. It was lost so badly to the point that you see the story of one king who during his time, one of the guys like pulls out the books and sweeps off the dust, kind of like what we do with our Bibles, um, and discovers the book of Deuteronomy, and he's like, oh, we're in trouble. We apparently had some deal with God. Because at this point, there were priests, and they were not doing their jobs. They just did whatever the kings liked. They had a temple in Judea. They had a temple up in the mountains in northern Israel um, because they had had their own civil war. And they're like, we're, we're actually going to get owned. And so they suddenly rediscover Judaism, and they try and do it again, and God says, don't worry, good king, I will not do this in your time because you remembered. And they go off. But within no time, they're like, well, whatever, the other life was a lot more fun. But they kept the form of religion. Constant, constant, constant outreach. Until finally God says, this covenant isn't working. The deal is not working. And so I am going to have to come. I'm going to have to restore it myself. You're created to be in my image. You've messed up that image so much. So I will come because I am the image in which you were made. And I will restore it myself. And I'm going to restore you to the knowledge of God that you used to have. And why did he restore us to the knowledge of God? Because he is the Logos. The Logos is the, where we get the word logic from. The mind, the rationale, the intellect. He's the intellect of God. And so in interacting with Christ, you enter into the very mind of God himself. And then, he says, in those days my spirit will come upon you and I will dwell in you and you will know me. You will not require that others know me. You will not require the judges to come and tell you this. You will not require any of these things because I myself will be established in you. So if we're going to get to know God, this is God. A God who loves, who outreaches, who suffers, 
and who is with us in our infirmities. And when he came to outreach us, he didn't shy away from pain or suffering. He took it all upon himself to show us that he is with us, like us, and for us. In the words of St. Discourse, who passed, whose feast was last week. So that's who God is. So that's who the guy in the corner is that you're hoping to be friends with. So imagine if there's someone who's dying to be friends with you and you totally shun him. We'd all get all teary-eyed if we see it on the sitcom, like Full House with the music in the background, of that poor little kid that gets bullied. And yet we are perpetually doing it to our God. So what I would like to challenge us to is to learn how to love him back. Because love is beyond, again, like we said earlier, it's beyond emotions, okay? Love has a practical aspect. If I want to tell someone I love them, I can say it all I want. Even the Beatles sang about it, that it's not enough to say love, well, how about you show me, right? It's a great song, um, and it's a practical song. Because there's, there's got to be a positive action. So with this is what is our response. So the first thing that Christ said, this is all got to be biblical. Christ says, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. What are the commandments? Sorry? Precisely. He says, and he's asked, what is the commandment of God? It is to love, right? And it is to do it from the heart. So the first commandment and the last commandment is love. So how does this even make sense? This can be seen in another place. When Christ says something very scary, he says that in those days that there are some people who are going to stand in the judgment and they're going to say, Lord, we did miracles. We did this and this and this and this. We're the bomb and we're the real thing. And he says, verily I say unto you, I don't know you. And they say, what do you mean? We did all of these things. How is it that you don't know me? And his response is, I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. And they said, when did we see you doing any of those things, and we neglect you? And he said, I tell you, that whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. We have to be Christ to one another. If we want to learn to love Christ, it's by reaching out to those around us. It's by stopping our judgments and stopping our barriers and limitations of how we can live the gospel and getting out and actually doing it. That is a big part. There's a negative part, and that is suffering. We have to suffer. Unfortunately, there's no getting out of it. There's a, a gospel out there in Christianity today that Christians are always smiling and bouncy and that life always rocks. Well, sorry, it doesn't. Sometimes life actually sucks. And it sucked for Christ as well. Christ was with his own creation. They treated him like he was the worst of creation. Christ did nothing wrong, and yet he was flogged, spat upon, quizzed, criticized, and ultimately murdered. We are called to do the same. 
Christ said to do the same. He said, they did this to me, they will do it to you. In this world you will have tribulations. If you love me, take up your cross and follow me. Love means continuing to love even when things suck. When you and your family grew up together, and that's why I'm saying we're a family, there were good times, but we all know that sometimes there are rough times. Sometimes someone loses a job. Sometimes somebody goes off and does something really stupid, and it affects the whole family. Sometimes somebody is going through something rough. Sometimes one of us is struggling with depression. Sometimes we have somebody with a disease. All of these things happen. But is this what our love is going to be hinging on? Our love for somebody based only on the good gifts that we receive? I hope not. Because if we're loving because we're expecting something, that's not love. And it's not the relationship that he's asking from us. If you look at the way that we treat those that we love, we don't put rules. If you're in a relationship with somebody and you want to marry this person, are you going to sit there putting five billion rules on the parameters of your relationship? I will love you, however, if you speak for more than 10 minutes to a person of the opposite sex, I no longer love you. I love you, but if you miss this many important family occasions per year, you're disqualified. I love you, but, but that's not love. Because a real loving relationship isn't dependent on that kind of stuff. A real loving relationship is, I love you for who you are. I don't want to do these things because I love you. If I see that it bothers you that I'm talking to somebody of the opposite sex, I'm not going to do it because I love you. Not because you told me I can. It's because I see that I'm affecting you. All of us could, if we like, go home and slap our parents across the face. We could. Physically, you could do it. I mean, some of our fathers, maybe not. But we could do it, okay? And will they forgive us? Yes, they would. They would. So then what stops us? Because there's an unwritten rule, never slap your parents on the face? For some, maybe, but that's maybe a beginner level of love. That's a love that comes from fear. It's because we don't want to hurt our parents. We actually care about them. Even if they're going to forgive us, that's not an excuse not to. So we need to live a life as well that is actually difficult. The world is doing crazy things but we were created to be holy. It sucks sometimes that we can't have what everyone else is having. Our youth struggle with the fact that they can't have casual sex. Our youth struggle with the fact that they can't have friends with benefits. Our youth struggle with the fact that everyone is cussing and swearing and clubbing and partying and dancing and smoking up, and they can't do it. And if we treat everything as a rule, instead of teaching them what it is to love, then it's just a rule book. That's why we need to learn how to love God and to transmit the love for Him into our children because we would like to keep our love for God alive from generation to generation. If you want to love somebody, you need to get to know them. You need to speak with them. That is what prayer is. And prayer is not just a 15 minutes that you set aside in a day and say, this is the time that I have to talk to you and for the rest of the 23 hours and 45 minutes, you can do your thing. Then you're not talking. Prayer is a continual relationship and dialogue with God. 
on Thursday, God willing, I'm not going to get into that. Now we'll have a talk on how to pray. But prayer is an absolute core. If you do not pray, you do not know God. And the Desert Fathers took this so seriously that they said a true theologian is the man who prays. And the man who prays is a true theologian because he is the one who is encountering God day by day. And then I would hope that you don't just talk at God because that's a pretty common relationship too. If you like call your friend to say, okay, I'm going to call you from 7 to 7.15, and then when you do, today I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, and this, and this, I'm mad at this, I hate this person, I can't stand this, and blah, 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 see you later. Wow, I'm so happy I spoke to my friend today. <laughs> that is a really crummy relationship. I would hope that you're listening, too. That your friendship is not, let me find the number of people that I can just unload on. You, you can unload because you have a loving relationship, but you also have to listen. So listen. Shut up and listen. Okay? Don't sit there with your own interpretation of everything in your life. I think this is a sign. I think this is blah, 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 blah. I think yada, yada, yada. No, it's not. Just be quiet. Be still and know that I am God. Enter into your Bible. And listen. If you don't read your Bible, you don't know what God's like. The Bible is what shows us what God is like. You look at the stories of his interactions and you know who he is. We also hear him through sermons, through songs, through meditation. These are all ways to listen. We also have to encounter Christ in the mysteries. Because whether we like it or not, Christ said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. These aren't the words of the church. They are the words of Christ. And the church puts it into practice. You must have an active sacramental life. This is where you encounter God in the mysteries. And you may say this doesn't make sense. They're physical motions. No, they're not. God uses the physical to express the spiritual. He didn't need to make temple ritual in the Old Testament, but he did. He didn't need to make them circumcise their children, but he did. They were foreshadows and types to teach us. So living a sacramental life is as important as your day-to-day -day prayer and reading the Bible. If you don't have sacramental life, then Christ himself says to you, you have no life in you. So I'll leave it there because I don't want to take too much longer. But really, the challenge going forward is learn how to manifest your love for God in a real way beyond words, beyond songs, beyond emotions. Because if you learn the love of God in your darkest of days, like the three children in the fire, if you know who God is, you'll open your eyes and you will find God in the fire with us. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Any question? My bad. Yes. Excellent. What is the law? Right. And what was it for? St. Paul in Romans talks about how the law kind of sucked. And he was like, and yet it was very good because God made it. 
And what he's saying is that he made a law and everyone was going to fall short. But when we say that we're created, we have to understand what we're created to be. We're created to be holy. If this is a microphone, what was it made for? Right. Could I not take gum out of my mouth and shove it on top of it and use it to hold my gum? I could, right? And if everybody takes their gum and puts on it, I can turn it into um, a gum holder. And if I convince enough people, I can say, look at this amazing gum holder that we discovered. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it was made to be a microphone. We were made to be holy, whether we want to or not. We were made to be holy. And that's why God says, in my image and likeness, I make him. And the image and likeness is his attributes are now in us. We are now like God. This is why, like, you can't have the antelopes have a common meeting to discuss the overeating of grass by the grasshoppers. They don't have the image and likeness of God in them. They are unable to do this. Okay? So the law was there to say, guys, I'm putting this here to remind you of what perfection is. Because that's what you were created to be. You're created to be holy. The difference is that we will fall short. Okay? And that's all that sin is. Sin is falling short of perfection. But the penalty is not if you break this, here's this list of rules. Because you can break them. You're not supposed to, but you can. We try not to because we love. And God is looking at, am I living in a life of relationship with Him or not? And if you are, then don't be afraid. It is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom of heaven. It is not my greatest, worst thing that I can think of to bring you up to be with me in heaven. I can't wait to send you to hell. He's saying, it is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the, the rest of the answer needs another talk because there is a different understanding of um, salvation in the Orthodox concepts than the popular Western one. In Western Christianity, it's all about a list of rules that if you break, there's rules against you. You break these, you go to hell, sayonara, see you later. That is not the orthodox theology. Orthodox theology is about transfer, transformation, transfiguration, of falling short, but being glorified in God, and that if I live in a responsive relationship to Him, it doesn't matter how many times I fall. I'm a soldier at war. And if I get a wound, good for me, I did it for my country. If I die at war, I'm a hero. The only person condemned is the guy who surrendered or walked away. Any other questions? Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Abuda. Okay, um, we've got a couple more things. Uh, first, a couple announcements about service. Before I announce them, if you guys noticed when we did the slideshow earlier, like half the pictures were what? Us doing service, right? We're like in Mexico, in Santa Barbara, in Ronald McDonald House. It's just us everywhere, like caroling at the hospital, um, which now I don't think we can do anymore because we have to go to like a, a home somewhere. But, um, but the idea is that this meeting, this Bible study was built around service as one of its core foundations. So we are big time getting into service again. And um, we've got a couple services coming up. Where's uh, Christine and Monica? Okay, you guys want to... Each, just, you, from where you are, just announce the service that, that we've got coming up. Okay, um, this upcoming Sunday, we are cooking 
And I always like to say service is not something like we, we're going to go to these places. We're going to help out for a day, right? We may touch some lives. Are we going to like change the world in that day? We're probably not. But we may change ourselves, right? When we go, for example, we've met, went to the Midnight Mission before. I got to see an organization that's been serving food from 1914 to 2014. Haven't missed one day in 100 years. That's commitment. That's service. The people who run that organization, that's service. So when you go there, you get to see real service, and that can change you more than you're going to change the people there, right? So I encourage you to sign up and do these things. Um, you can see Monica, not Christine. We're, we're all sold out on the, the one that's coming up this Saturday. Is that, yeah? Um, I think half okay. Midnight Mission. We still got room. Oh, yeah. Okay, talk to Mike. Um, so, with that said, uh, where's Frank? You wanted to announce your meeting, right? Yeah. You want to announce it now? Okay. Hey guys, um, I help at the uh, center uh, with the meeting formerly known as Joy, uh, now known as Life, Let Your Faith Endure. Um, First, I want to say uh, thank you to everyone who's serving in this meeting. Obviously, uh, joy and life started from this meeting, so I really appreciate that. And I think service is probably one of the, one of the, the most underappreciated things. And um, I just want to extend my appreciation to, to you guys and uh, starting this meeting. I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to share some, something of value uh, I got from Maya Buna, uh, Buna Bulis. And um, so short story, really quick. Um, but uh, the story goes like this, essentially. Um, there was a really, really rich man, uh, billions of dollars, had billions of dollars. And everybody knew this. Everybody knew who this man was, and, and just, they just knew who he was. And he had a son that went to war uh, in Iraq. And this, man, uh, this man's son died. The most precious thing to this man in the world died. He was just devastated, just completely devastated. And he had a world-renowned artist, painter, make a, paint, a portrait of a painting of, of, this, of his son. Right? Eventually, the man passes away, and people knew, all the, you know, in the circles, the rich men, all, 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 all of them knew that this man uh, was going to have an auction for all his stuff, like all his, you know, island, like his island and you know, his Bentleys and all this stuff. So all these rich men gathered around in this house for this big auction. And auctioneer comes out, and there's like all these, like, rich men all over the place. And, um, and the auctioneer comes out with just the, just the painting. That's it, just the painting. And uh, they start talking amongst themselves and saying, what, like, what is this? There's supposed to be more stuff. There's supposed to be, like, a, like a house and stuff like that. And the auctioneer says... There's this painting, it's 20 bucks, who wants to buy it? And these guys start getting annoyed, people start walking out, like, what is this? I want, like, more. What is this? And finally the butler, who knew the son, goes, I'll pay $20 for the painting. So the auctioneer takes out a piece of paper and says, the person who buys this painting gets everything else for free. The island, the, the, the cars, everything for free. And that's the way Abuna explained to me is that's the way I kind of see God in coming to church, right? We always focus on these other things like 
of you know getting a great career, getting like you know all these these materialistic things. When all we have, everything we have is right there in front of us. Just come to church, and you get everything you want. You you you'd ever want happiness, love, everything. So I just wanted to share that one thing. Um, uh, another thing is we we have a meeting on Thursday night, 8 p.m., and um, it's going to be uh, what is my spiritual legacy? So essentially, how are you becoming spiritual and bringing people with you? And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of value. So if you guys want to come, uh, go to Joy Fellowship Meeting, and uh, we'll be posting it on there. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, Frank. Um, okay, so a couple things to close out. First thing, you saw, uh, it's pretty awesome looking at pictures from like forever ago, right, and seeing how everybody's changed and we've grown. And, um, so we're going to do a group picture, and this is going to be interesting for logistics, but I want everybody to stand up. Stand up. All right, now crunch together this way. Like, into the center of the room. Okay, while you do that, I'm going to grab a table. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Yeah, I'm gonna do a panorama. Okay, everybody ready? I'm gonna take a panorama. So look, smile. One, two, freeze. Make sure you keep your smile going. I'm glad that I look ridiculous. Okay, who wants to take a photo and a Okay. So here just hold hold down the camera button. Do I do I hold down the camera button? Like, go to the, to the far right, go to the side again. All right. Everybody ready? Go. Good? Yep. Somebody blink your mic. All right, awesome. Perfect. Okay, before everybody goes, I know it's, what time is it? It's 10. Okay, we're planning to go until 10.30. So if you're able to stay a little bit longer, we want to do some icebreakers and get this big group of old faces, new faces, in-between faces, all acquainted with each other. So where's the social team? Social team, come up here. Huh? Oh, okay, let's, we're going to pray first. And the, the married couples and boring people can go home. Um, okay, yeah. And actually, before you go, 
Andre, are you going to take names? I'll take I mean, actually, I have to leave early because I work tomorrow. But okay. if we can, like, just hang it on the door and they just write okay, it. Okay, do that. So we're going to have... We're also going to try to get the mailing list updated, so put your emails on the piece of paper before you walk out. Okay. We're going to pray first, and then we're going to do the ice cream. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this fellowship we have had with one another. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us and bringing us together in your holy name. Teach us how to share the love that we have for you and to shine it out to the whole entire world. And as Mother Teresa said, oh Lord, let us be the change we wish to see in others. Guide us, protect us, and help us. Help us to live our faith and our love for you tangibly and knowingly in the depths of our hearts in spite of whether joy or pain that we struggle with or embrace and enjoy. The intercession of Holy Mother, the Toko St. Mary, the great St. Anthony and St. Mark, here's your prayer with all thanksgiving, our Father, Father who art in heaven, heaven. hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, now the love of God the Father, the grace of His only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the gift and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The peace of the Lord be with you. Okay. So boring people, you can go home. Everybody wants to get to know somebody new. And start this new 10-year legacy for the next 10 years. Hang around. Where's the social team? Who's got the icebreakers? Where are Christine? Christine? How are you, buddy? Oh, good job. I'm happy you're sore. I hurt my back. I'm sorry.